0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're still in Mark chapter 5, the beginning part where Jesus Christ power over demons, part 4. And the title for today is The People's Choice, only I added a word, The People's Bad Choice. Mark 5:14 to 17. And I kind of got this idea from watching the headlines. the People's Choice Awards were this week. I didn't watch it, but I saw a lot of headlines, "This person won and this person didn't win, and all kinds of stuff. And I thought they made some pretty bad choices based on a few of the people, although some good choices. but nothing compared to the bad choice that we see that these people are going to make here regarding Jesus here in Mark chapter five. We're going to see that they make a, such a bad choice. They're actually going to pick pigs over a person's well-being, and even worse, they're going to pick their pigs over Jesus. Shocking. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us through another week, and we thank you for the joys, the blessings, and the grace to get through the trials. And Lord, we know we're here for a purpose, for your word, and just pray that your word would speak to us. And move in our hearts. We ask your Holy Spirit to do this. No matter where we are spiritually, we ask your Holy Spirit to take your word and to speak to us directly. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've already gone through the first 13 verses here and we saw how Jesus has power over demons and he frees a demoniac, he frees this guy, and then he allows him to go into the pigs and they jump off a cliff and drown and there's a lot of wild stuff in those first three. So if you haven't heard those, make sure you get the first three CDs or go on the podcast. Some Some really powerful lessons for us spiritually. The passage I want to look at now though, I want to do the next couple verses. Let me just pick it up and read. I'm going to read the rest of the passage, starting with verse 14. It says, "...those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid." Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. So we see in verse 15, we find this man that Jesus has cast the legion of demons out of. He's dressed and in his right mind rest in his right mind and that's what Jesus does for every one of us when we put our faith in Christ the, the, the moment when you say God I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins to take my punishment and I ask you to forgive me and I put my faith in Jesus I'm going to follow him and we, we make that decision and pray that prayer and give our lives to Jesus Christ when we look to him for salvation when that happens he clothes us the Bible teaches us that he clothes us with salvation just like this man was clothed now, he clothes us with salvation. He covers our shame. He sets us free. That's what Jesus does for us. And he starts to heal our hearts and our minds. Just as this man is in his right mind, he starts. He heals our minds. And, and it's a lifelong process because we have this brain damage, spiritual brain damage, that needs to be reversed. And it takes a whole life. But, at, but that's what happens as we get into the Word and as we hear the Word and as we follow, take steps of faith. We, Romans 12, 2 says... Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what happens is we are transformed. Spiritually, it's done positionally, but the practical day-to-day is a lifelong process where we're transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of our mind, we're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus does for us. He closes with salvation. He gives us a new mind. This is a picture. What happened to this man is a picture of every one of us. Now I want to focus on two very different responses to this miracle. The first one we're going to do today, the next one will be in a couple of weeks. Next week we have the vision sermon. But in a couple of weeks, but the first one, I couldn't get past this one, there's just so much in it. Verses 14 to 17, I'm going to read it to us again. Look at the people's response. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. The people's choice the people's bad choice, they begged Jesus to leave. They were more concerned about their pigs than they were about this man. Pretty crazy, isn't it? That they would ask Jesus to leave after this? You'd think they'd be excited that this man was healed, right? When you think that, they'd be like, "Wow, this guy's free. this crazy guy's freed." But nothing's really changed, has it? Think about our lives. How many of us remember our, our past life when we lived a different life? Maybe we lived, we were drunk all the time or, or, you know, using drugs, you know, or just pot. It's just pot, you know. Uh, but if you tell people that Jesus set you free and you're not going to do those things anymore, what do they do? Freak out, typically, Right? What do you mean? You're not going to be like us anymore. You know, you know, They freak out. You think they'd be happy for us, or, or if our family? Some of you have experienced this. Your family sees positive changes. You, you put your faith in Christ, and you start to change, and people start to see these positive changes in your life, and they start to feel you. you know, say, what's going on? Are we, well, how come your marriage is getting better? Your family's starting to heal up, or what's starting? To, what's going on? We see you being different all of a sudden. Say, oh, I'm a, I'm a I, I become a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm born again. I put my faith in Christ. Well, you've joined up cult you've joined the cult you know they freak out right it, it, you think they'd be happy that your marriage is saved right or they'd be happy that you're not you know beating your kids or whatever it is you know they'd be happy but no not if it means you're gonna be a born-again christian now i know there's a lot of wacky born-again christians the guy with the purple hair john 316 at the football game that stuff but but you know what we are born-again christians We are, and that's a biblical term. I know there's crazy people, and I don't like to use that word too much out in the world, but I use the word disciples of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said you must be born again, and if you're not born again, you're not a Christian. We are either born-again Christians, we have to be spiritually reborn. There's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. And if we don't have that spiritual birth, we're not a Christian. So anyway, uh, not, nothing has changed. And it didn't just Jesus' time and, and we know what it's like now. It, I was reading, I have a great book just to show you how this has been like this throughout history. A great book called um, Faithful Unto Death. I found this book and it talks about the, the, the movement, the, what I would call the evangelical movement in the Middle Ages where people started getting back to the Bible, and, and it was part of the Reformation, but it was even deeper than that. They really got back to the Bible. They believed in salvation by faith and being baptized as a believer, not as a baby. Being baptized as a believer, it's all biblical stuff. And it tells the stories of different people who were persecuted. And, and one story I found really telling that really reminded me of what happened here is a guy was named Jan Block. He died July 23rd, 1569. And he <clears throat> once again believed salvation by faith, believer baptism. It was in the Netherlands, a Dutch town in the Netherlands. And Jan Bloch was uh, a wealthy. I'm going to read a couple passages here from it. It says Jan Bloch was a wealthy young man, and as a consequence, did not have or need a profession or occupation. He did nothing. He lived on his wealth and spent his time in having fun. He was a 16th century playboy building his reputation in the taverns and nightlife of the area. You get the picture. He was a playboy. 16th century. That's all he cared about. That's all he did. He had a friend who became a Christian uh, and and started to witness to him and, and encouraged him to read the New Testament. He was so impressed by his friend's life change that he was convicted and he started to want the same peace that his friend had his friend's name was Simon, he wanted to have that same peace so he started to read the Bible he got a whole copy of the Bible, he started to read the Bible for the first time and he became convicted of his own emptiness and waste and became aware of God's call for him to live a new life, he put his faith in Jesus, he was baptized as a disciple of Jesus Christ but his new life, it says here in the story his new life could not be hidden for Jan was well known, he was the party man Persons at the tavern began asking where Jan Block was. Others asked him personally what had happened to him. And he witnessed to his new life in Christ. And the word of his conversion soon got around. And the authorities were not happy. This is at a time, you have to understand, through much of this history in Europe, if you were an evangelical Christian, if you were us, you would be put in prison. You could be killed. This was for hundreds and hundreds of years. This whole religious freedom that we've had for this little window here is a very small window, just so you understand that. The authorities went to arrest him. Get this. Because, arrest him because of the publicity and influence of his conversion. He fled, got away, they ended up catching him, they put him in prison. They were, but the authorities knew him, they all used to party with him, and they were, really wanted to convert him back bring him back to the, the Roman church and, and back to that. And so they, tried to, they were, knew his life was in danger, so they tried to persuade him to come back. He reminded them, now this is where it gets good, he reminded them that when he lived a careless life, no one was concerned. When I was a drunkard, and, 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 and no one was concerned. But now that he had changed his life and was serving Christ, they were against him. And these are religious authorities, right? One of the lords who had formerly been a close friend of Jan tried to save him by converting him back to the Roman church. Jan responded, You should have converted me when we were together in the houses of pleasure with each of us with a prostitute on our lap. Think about that. He said, When I was in the, when I with prostitutes getting drunk, everybody left me alone. But now that I want to follow Jesus and read my Bible and put my faith in Christ, you religious people are going to want to kill me. Right? It's a picture. It's a picture. The sentence was pronounced burned at the stake. When he was led to the scaffold, it was as though he was in charge of the details. He was so composed. He was like at total peace. He bowed in prayer and commended his soul to God. His spirit and grace, his calmness in death, so affected the Lord's that several who had sat in judgment over him wept to see him die. What happened to Jesus what we experience on a lot smaller level than that, is nothing new. It's been going on throughout all of history. It's crazy, isn't it? This demoniac, people were, got upset when he got changed. It, it's crazy. It's hard to imagine somebody getting upset over a demoniac being set free, isn't it? But even some so-called Christians follow this thinking. This is going to really shock you. The Episcopal leader, the leader of the Episcopal Church, has garnered outrage from some of the Anglican community communion over her claim. This is the head of the, the Episcopal Church. Over her claim that St. Paul, when he cured the demon-possessed slave girl in Acts, 9, Acts 16, was wrong. This is the head of the Episcopal Church presiding bishop the most reverend Catherine Jeffords Shorey, that's a mouthful, said that by driving the demon out of her, Paul was depriving her of her gift of spiritual awareness. Paul can't abide something he won't see as beautiful or holy, so he tries to destroy it. It gets him thrown into prison. That's pretty much where he put himself, by his own refusal to recognize that she too shares in God's nature just as much as he does, maybe more so. Uh, in the incident, Paul cures a slave girl. If you know the story in Acts sixteen, this girl had could tell fortunes. She had a, she was demon possessed, could tell fortunes. She was harassing Paul as he's trying to share the gospel. He casts a demon out. They arrest him. They put him in prison. Uh, it's a wild story, but thankfully there are some people in the Anglican Church that have stood up to her. <laughs> Here's a couple comments from some key people. He said Paul casts a demon out of a slave girl. An agent of Satan, a force of darkness, and didn't deprive her of some spiritual gift. That sermon is not a Christian sermon, Anglican leader. Another Anglican leader wrote, It's terribly stunning to read that the presiding bishop elevates a sinful practice of fortune-telling to the Holy Spirit-inspired territory of spiritual gifts. This exegesis is demonic. But think about that. Even Christians are mad at, at, at Paul for casting out a demon. It's it's crazy thinking. Okay, I had to say that. Shocking. But if you look at why why they were asked to leave, it's even more surprising. Why Jesus, why these people asked Jesus to leave is even more surprising than all this. In verse 15, it says what? They were afraid. They were afraid. Now, this part is understandable. Because the disciples, remember the disciples in the boat, the last storm? They were afraid when they saw Jesus' power. When we see supernatural power, it's scary. That part is understandable. It scares us. But they were afraid of something else, too. And this is not understandable. In verses 16 and 17, look what it says here in 16 and 17. Those who had, been, had seen it told the people <clears throat> what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. What were they? They weren't just afraid of the supernatural power. They were afraid of something else. They were afraid about their pigs. They were worried about the pigs. You see, what would happen in a town like this is each family would have their own pigs and they would put them all together in a herd of pigs and then someone would watch them. They would pay a a sheep, not sheep, a, a pig herder to watch the pigs for them. That's what would happen. So it's very likely that the entire town lost pigs in this incident when the demons killed them. People say, why did Jesus kill demons? Why kill the pigs? Jesus never killed the pigs. Jesus gave permission to the pigs to, to, for the demons to enter the pigs. The demons killed the pigs. Jesus didn't kill them. They need a host. It's like one of those alien movies. They needed a host, and, and they lost the man, so the closest thing was the pigs. So the townspeople, though, didn't just fear Jesus' power. And this is key for us. They feared what his power would cost them that's why they asked Jesus to leave it wasn't his power it's what his power would cost them and here it was the pigs they were concerned about material things that drove them to reject Jesus Christ they were so focused on the pigs and what they lost they missed the whole point that Jesus just set this man free and more importantly that Jesus has the power to set every one of us free But the people, what did they really do? They chose material things over Jesus Christ. Remember what I said last time we looked at this passage? Jesus allowed the demons into the pigs, knowing that they were going to kill the pigs. Why? He let those pigs take the plunge in order to test the people. And they failed the test. They picked the pigs over Jesus. They failed the test. But this shouldn't shock us, should it? Because we see this all the time. People picking pigs over Jesus. We see it all the time. People wanting to reject Jesus because it's going to cost something, if it costs something. We're, you see, in the USA today, we're fine with uh, a loving Jesus, this loving Jesus, and a little bit of religion. I'm talking about the average person in America today. Fine with a loving Jesus who, uh, you know, loves kids and animals and, and uh, a little bit of religion, as long as it doesn't interfere with our pigs. As long as it doesn't interfere with our idols. The pigs here were money. And any time that Jesus Christ demands that, <laughs> anytime he infringes on the money in this country, the true colors show, doesn't it? Have you ever tried to take away somebody's pig? You ever try to be involved in cleaning up a drug neighborhood crack house? Whew, dangerous work. You're taking away somebody's money. Pot is legal in many some states now, and they're trying to make it more. But, but it, listen, uh, that's, there's big money in, in pot. And you know the government's going to get their grubby hands on it. And it's big money, and you wait till you see if this keeps going, you wait till you see when you try to remove this, this ability to buy and sell and use it. you know why? It's going to be hard because people are making money on all the gullible people who think there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, it's not addictive. It doesn't hurt you. It's stupidity. But people buy it. They're being brainwashed because somebody's making money on that. And if you tell someone you shouldn't be smoking it or you shouldn't be making money on it, you think it's so mad. I've had these arguments. You think it's so mad. You think it was in the Constitution the right to use drugs. Or you try to, you've ever been involved in trying to zone out bars or strip clubs or casinos? It's a war if you try to do that. You know why? Because it's money. It's money. Have you ever been involved in trying to close an abortion clinic? I've been involved in some uh, 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 ministries that were trying to save babies and even get rid of abortion clinics. Man, it's unbelievable the anger, the vicious anger that you have to deal with. You know why? Because it's money. The abortion providers are not there for rights. They're there for money. You know how I know that? Because some abortion providers have become Christians and have been have. come clean and have written books about it and I can give you some great books it's a huge zillion dollar industry because it's money that's what's driving it that's what's driving these people to do it they're not doing it for free it's money if you've ever watched amazing grace or read the book amazing grace wilberforce wow what a great story but what was his battle? When he battled slavery, what was he battling? It was money. Was trying to take somebody's pig away. That's why it was so brutal. People knew it was wrong, the people he was dealing with, but they didn't want to give up the money. Smoking. I was reading an article that this is the 50th, This week was the 50-year year anniversary of finally allowing someone to publicly expose that smoking is bad for you. That's Shocking, isn't it? Fifty years ago, they they had this big medical bunch of doctors got together, gave a big speech. They finally made it, and they were so worried. And you know why it took so long? Everybody knew smoking was bad for you, killing lots of people. But they couldn't say it because the government and everybody was in on making so much money on the tobacco. In fact, they were worried. Their main concern with the timing of the speech was how not to sink the stock market when they gave the speech. Google it. It's an amazing story. Whenever you touch somebody's pig, they get angry, and G- just like we saw with Jesus. You want to dealing with pigs, you want to really tick someone off? Try pastoring. Try being a pastor and tell someone they have to give up their pig. Their idol. Their sin. <laughs> you lose people fast. Lose them fast. They get mad. When you preach, you know, the whole thinking in our country, you you have to preach very carefully. If you want a big church, big budget, big building, you've got to preach. Don't offend people. You have to preach very carefully. And and if, if I admonish somebody with the word of God, biblically, that's one of my jobs, admonishing. If I admonish them with the word of God, they often just go down the street to another church and find one that... Won't admonish them for that that pig, or 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 even if it's a church that believes the same way, they're so careful that they would never say it to the person, even though they do believe the same Bible and they do believe, but they will never say it to someone. They preach very carefully. In fact, it's almost like there's a sign out front: uh, "Pet pigs welcome here," or or there's just kind of a word on the street. Why does I know this pastor believes a certain way? Why why do all these people keep? Gravitating over there. Well, there's a word on the street. Is this pastor will never say, "Uh, Is that a pig you're carrying in? You can carry your pig in the church and no one will ever say, "Uh, Is that a pig? You know? It's safe. You know why? Because people want to hear when they come to church, they want to hear about what I call build a Jesus. You ever hear about build a bear? You go to the Build-A-Bear store and the kids go and they love it, you know, and, and you go to there and you get to make your own bear and make it whatever you want. You put it on the team or you, you can create your own bear. It's your own special little bear that fits you. Well, that's nice with bears, but it's a bad thing with God. But people have built a Jesus. That's what they want to do. They want to build a Jesus. And they make a Jesus of their own making. And this Jesus will let them believe anything they want and let them act any way that they feel like acting. It's not the biblical Jesus, it's built Jesus. And that's what they want to hear about. And, and they don't want the real Jesus, the powerful son of God who casts out demons and kills their pigs. So many prefer pigs and bondage to freedom in Jesus Christ. They're okay with Jesus Christ unless it costs them something. They're okay with Jesus unless it costs them something. Although what they don't want to let him kill is costing them something, isn't it? What we want to hang on to is killing us. The demonic is killing us. The sin is killing us. Our pigs are killing us. When you share the gospel with somebody, and Chuck will tell you uh, with the street ministry... It's easy to lead somebody to Christ. Right, Chuck? A lot of people do it. Chuck Harrison on the street there with a street light ministry. It's easy to lead someone. Just don't talk about repentance. Make salvation free. And it is free. We know it's free. You can't earn it. But make sure there's no cost or cost involved. Just make it a free ticket that you can just receive. Lots of people will. Want that, Jesus? Want that, salvation? But if you add repentance to the mix, you say, not only do you have to put your faith in Jesus and receive that free gift, but first you repent of sin and ask for forgiveness, and then you can receive that free gift. It's free. But you've got to let something go. Not too many hands go up. Right, Chuck? <laughs> not too many hands. Same same with us as Christians, right? When we first become a Christian, we get all excited about our new life in Jesus Christ. And then we begin to understand Lordship. (laughs) I mean, we accept him as our Savior and Lord. But when we understand what Lordship really means, our flesh rebels. It rebels against it. Mine still rebels constantly against Lordship. I want Jesus on my terms, not on his terms. I want the comfortable Jesus, the blessing Jesus. Not the one that's going to call me to die to self so that I can live to him. It's okay as long as it doesn't cost me something. A couple easy examples. Look at how few of us tithe, much less give sacrificially. (laughs) It's a good test. It's an easy one. Tithing. Very few Christians tithe. I heard a story, old country preacher used this story years ago, and I still remember it. He was saying, uh, there was a country preacher preaching at a, at a church, and he was talking about tithing, and he, he saw one of the farmers in the front row, and he said, uh, Brother, uh, what if God were to give you ten houses? Would you give God one house back? Oh, yeah. Yes, preacher, I'd give God one house back. He so, said, what if God were to give you ten cows? Would you give God, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, ten Cars, 10 cars, would you give one car back? Oh, yes, yes, I would be happy to give one car back if God gave me 10 cars. Okay, well, what if God were to give you 10 pigs? Would you give one back? Now hold it, preacher, you know I've got 10 pigs. That's when it gets personal. And that's that's way down the list of God. Far more important is don't ask me to give up my pig. Don't ask me to give up my little piggies. This little piggy lusts. This little piggy gossips. This little piggy has bitterness. This little piggy hates my brother. This little piggy lies when I need to. This little piggy is lazy at work. This little piggy, you you know, you you got the little idea? This little piggy went here and there. Don't ask me to give up my little piggies. Don't ask me to give up what in my life I don't want to give up. With spiritual warfare... Talked a lot about spiritual warfare. And one of the most frustrating aspects of doing spiritual warfare, helping someone get free of heavy demonization. We have talked about attacks, which we all experience. We talk about strongholds. We all deal with those. But demonization, when it gets more intense, if you miss the first couple listen to those but one of the most frustrating things is when you pray over someone who's been heavily demonized and you help them get free and you tell them what they need to do to stay free and 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 help them get you know stand firm but often what happens when a person gets free of demonization they often go back to the sin and reopen the door and end up worse off than they were to start with. You see, what they want to be is free from the effects of the demonization, the misery of it. But they don't want to give up what opened the door to the demonization. They want to hang on to that little piggy. And they'll say, come pray over me again. And you know what I say? I spent five hours praying over you, five more hours discipling you, Went through hell doing it because it's not fun. Believe me, you don't want to go looking for this. And now you want me to come over and spend double the time now because you're much worse off? This is when I'll come over again. When you hate the sin as much as you hate the effect of the sin. When you hate the sin that led to the demonization as much as you hate the effect of the demonization. You let me know. Then I'll be there. But that's what happens. We, we don't want to, and even when we're not the, demonized, the point is we want to hang on to the sin. We're not willing to give up the little piggy. What's our response to this story? It's a heavy-duty story. I mean, this is one of the most shocking stories in the Bible, picking pigs over Jesus. I mean, it's, But we all do it, don't we? Maybe you're saying you're not a Christian yet. Why? What's keeping you from putting your faith in Jesus Christ? You know what? Usually it is. Usually it's a piggy, something we don't want to give up. We choose pigs over Jesus Christ. But there. But you have. We have to. In order to come to Jesus, we have to be willing to give it up. In fact, in Acts twenty six twenty, Paul, when he's preaching, says this. Verse 20, halfway through, he says, I preached that they should repent. This is what Paul preached. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove the repentance by their deeds. That's the gospel that Paul preached. Yeah, he, he battled for salvation by faith alone, no works. But repentance was the first step to receiving that gift. What in your life is keeping you from putting your faith in Jesus Christ. What do you need to repent of this morning? Those of us who are already Christians, we've put our faith in Christ. We've claimed him as our Savior and Lord. But, are we willing to put Jesus over the pigs? Will we put our strongholds over intimacy with Jesus Christ? Every time that we willfully go back to that stronghold and willfully go back to that sin, every time we do it, we are saying, Jesus, stay over there. I want this. We're, we're breaking our intimacy and our closeness with Jesus in order to hang on to the sin. And it's just a big, it's a little biggie. That's what we do. I mean, really, if, you, if, we, if we say, well, I'm going to look at this or watch this or click on my computer or this or TV or, or say this or think this, every time we do that, we're really saying, Jesus, I don't want to be close to you. Because that's what sin does. It drives a wedge between us. That's why First John 1.9 is so important. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It has to be a constant cleansing to keep that intimacy. Are we going to get our healing and keep our freedom in Jesus Christ? Keeping our freedom. I want to encourage you. Several people have said to me, "I I want what you've been preaching about. How do I get it? I want to encourage you to talk to myself or Kim or another Christian brother or sister here. We have some excellent Discipleship material uh, by Neil Anderson. One is called Victory Over the Darkness. The other one is called The Bondage Breaker. Two vital books to understand who we are in Christ and how to break the bondages in our life, the strongholds in our life, even the demonizations in our life. We have to break that. I want to encourage you to get your healing and get your freedom. There's some great Christian counselors that can help you do it. Kim and I will connect you. We'll do it with you ourselves. We'll connect you with someone. But I want to encourage everyone to battle for your freedom. Victory over darkness and the bondage breaker. Key, key concepts for Christians. Romans twelve two: Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, this is heavy-duty stuff. This passage is is deep. It's vital. Let's do business with God right now. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. You've let something keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. But today could be the day where you say, God, I surrender this pig to you. I repent. I ask you to forgive me because I'm repenting of my sin. I put my faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. I put my faith and trust and hope in him. I'm going to follow Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I'm going to follow him. If you've prayed that prayer, given your life to Jesus Christ, you are now like this man in Mark 5. You are now clothed with the salvation of God. You are now clothed with Jesus Christ. You have been given a new heart, a new mind. You've become a new person. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Tell me on the way out. Send me a text. Send me an email. Fill out the card. Tell someone else here. Let somebody know so that we can help you. Reach your potential in Jesus Christ and encourage you in your new faith. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What have we put over intimacy with Jesus Christ? Which little piggy? Maybe it's a sin that needs to be repented of. Could even be something not sinful, could even be something good that's become an idol that has kept us from intimacy with Jesus Christ. Maybe there's a stronghold in our life, and it's time to get freedom from that stronghold. Maybe grab the book that we have on the shelf out there Victory Over Darkness, and I got copies of The Bondage Breaker. Maybe it's a commitment that this year I'm going to read these books and study through them with someone and take the steps of freedom that I need to take and begin to battle for my freedom in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for every person here, starting with myself, that we would not follow the lies that are meant to destroy us, but we would follow Jesus who has come to give us real life, life to the full. I pray that 2014 would be a powerful year in our life as we find our freedom in Christ and and reach our potential in Christ. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would not take away the conviction, but would increase the conviction of what we started studying this morning through this passage, that the conviction would increase and increase until we surrender. And more than anything, Father, I pray that nothing would come between our intimacy with you so that your love could flow in us and through us in a powerful way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.